Hey everyone, and welcome to Splatsploitation, my podcast where I gorge on the extreme. Uh, this week's a little different from my normal book club podcast, uh, so I'm going to start a series of interviews with some authors in the extreme horror, splatterpunk, in the underground horror, bizarro sort of genres. And yeah, just chat more about their own work rather than someone else's, covering stuff from their publishing to working with um, small presses to just the general journey that they're on. In this very very hard world of publishing books and yeah my first guest with me this week is elton skelter and yeah welcome to the show man it's like the first time we've spoken it's nice to get to see you yeah you too thank you for having me and we're both in the uk as well so we're getting to do this at a reasonable time oh, i know i almost said that in the intro actually i was thinking that in my head i was <laughs> like Fuck, it's not like 10 o'clock at night or something oh, like, yeah it's, it's a change <laughs> I got my curtains open and I'm like letting the sunlight actually be in for once. Oh no, I'm a vampire. I never let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got like the main light up in the diffuser and the little lamp because I'm a fucking perfectionist when it comes to this stuff. But oh, I should probably nice light myself day, better, but you know, I look like trash. It's still only midday. I haven't quite awoken from my slumber yet. Uh, so. Sorry, that dark moody lighting suits the genre more than my brightly <laughs> lit stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so welcome to the show for starters. Um, yeah, like I said, um, this is the first of my interviews, so I haven't really kind of got loads of laid-out questions and stuff. I haven't even got a name for the show yet, but I'm thinking something along the lines of splatsploitation conversations, as that's more oh, I love it. I love it. what I'm looking to have, rather than like a, a list of questions, just yeah. see how things go. Yeah, I love it. It's perfect. Lock it in. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just to start off with, um, and just let us all know like how long you've been writing now. Like, uh, when did you first get something published? Um, well, two different questions there. <laughs> I've been writing a, a long time, um, but never really for anything. Um, and I was just existing, wanting to be a writer, but never really writing for any purpose. And um, then the pandemic hit, and I started to sort of reevaluate stuff. I didn't get to see my family for two years. I um I was in a job that was really high pressure, and I was getting really stressed out with it. And I just thought this is no way to live. I'm not following my dreams. I'm not doing anything that I, I really want to do. So I uh, I packed up that job, moved back home um, to my hometown, and decided I was going to start actively trying to write. Um, and so I wrote a short story for uh, an open call for. Dark Matters Inc. Uh, for their Human Monsters anthology. Yeah, uh, complete shot in the dark. It was being, you know, uh, edited by by Mother Horror and Ashley Sawyer, and it, you know they're, they're quite an impressive press. They're really, really like, mm. you know, you look at them and just think, geez, this is so it's so cool what they do. And so I had no hopes whatsoever, and um, I sent them a story that I'd written about essentially a snuff movie, um, and I got an email on my birthday. And they accepted it. And it was my first story that I'd ever written or in uh, or submitted anywhere. And that gave me the kick I needed to say that this is, you know, this is something maybe I could do. I got paid for it at like pro (laughs) rates. And I was like, yeah, okay. And um, so it just, it kind of spiraled from there really. And then I, um, I started writing a few more short stories with submissions in mind, but I never really got a lot of other stuff published. I had a story published with the sci-fi, um, anthology and uh one from dnt press their abcs of terror i was in one of those ones nice, yeah. but aside from that it just 
nothing really took off so I was like well maybe I need to start focusing on something a bit longer and then I started working on longer works and I um, haven't looked back really <laughs> yeah it's cool I mean it's remarkably similar to mine really I was the same I started writing during the pandemic I was yeah. just like what else are you gonna do right like yes yeah. I was like I'd played fucking 400 hours of Animal Crossing <laughs> or whatever but I was just like script writing hadn't worked for me and I was just like right it's time to write a book. Yeah. You <laughs> like, used to be a script writer. Yeah. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. Did you study it? Um, sort of not. Um, I done like film studies in college, but yeah. I, yeah. I worked for blockbusters. So I read oh. every single movie that came out. Yeah. Um, the, I watched there's a every certain single... kind of person that works for blockbusters, isn't it? They yeah. are movie freaks. I, I watched every DVD commentary. I read every book. I mean, behind me, like it's still quite a few film books, but I had like, 50 of them like i yeah. just it's self-taught sort of thing i was mm. all in but never quite honest, happened that's that's the best way to do it i did um a year and a half of um writing script writing for film and tv at bournemouth university mm, and... i looked into bournemouth because i'm writing by bournemouth i'm in portsmouth so it's one of the yeah. places i looked at yeah and it, it was a really really great course and stuff but it, script writing you'll realize like it's so different from getting to write prose you're not given that freedom mm. to to write the way you want to write because it's not your job to make someone believe what you're what you're seeing on screen you just got to make some people talk in a place that's essentially yeah. all, all you have to do and i hated it i hated it i wanted to be oh, like really? i want to describe the background i want to see what they're wearing i want to <laughs> oh, see what God, they look no. like oh, and i, I just, absolutely yeah. i loved script writing i still do like it's just you know i've written maybe like i don't know eight or nine feature films and wow. Like to me, they're like completed works. Like yeah. I know they're blueprints for someone else, really. But in my head, I'm like, right, I've told that story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like but books, you like you said, you, you get to expand it, right? Like you get yeah. to really tell that story. And I and feel like it, it's book... like it is like telling a story in a film as well, isn't it? Like in your head, it kind of it looks like a film when you're writing oh, a book. Or, so it's almost like producing a visual thing yeah. as well. Yeah. I would describe my writing style as cinematic because that's yeah. how I think. Like everything yeah. is film for me. So yeah. it's just if I'm writing something I'm picturing how it's gonna look on super wide. Like. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think that as well being sort of from the indie publishing world, unless you're super uh, like churning out books every other day and, and loads of people are looking at it as well. I think going into writing with an idea of what it would look like translated onto screen or if it would be suitable to be translated on screen is kind of half the battle as well because I think that's where the majority of people writing books nowadays are going to make their money from. Mm. I think there's there's not there's not a huge deal of money in in publishing anymore. But but mm. in terms of uh it like translating works into into TV or a feature film, that's mm. tends to be where the money lies. Yeah, I, I totally went the other way. Like Abby, the first book I wrote was um, there was a short and then it was a web show and then I wrote it as a TV pilot, kind of yeah. pull it around everywhere, like got some nice feedback, but no one was really interested. It's an impossible thing to make, like a, a practical 18 horror TV show, like no one's going to do that. But like as a book, <laughs> I was able to just kind of like, you know, just tell it exactly how I wanted it to. So I kind of turned, yeah. adapted the screenplay into a book, which was fucking hard. Like no one tells yeah. you how hard that is going from like <laughs> one prose to another when you know the story is awkward as shit yeah. But, but yeah i just but ended still... up going the other way with it but now if yeah, someone approached me and was like oh we love this abby book you know what do you feel about it being a tv show i'd be like here's the pilot <laughs> <laughs> take it away <laughs> yeah. 
Be like, that was written seven years ago. You could get on with that right away. Yeah. I mean, like, and considering you've only been writing books as well since the pandemic came out as well, you're, you've got a lot of work out there as well. So you spend yeah. a lot of time, you know, working on your writing. I always have, though. I did with scripts. I would write every single day. I would write during lunch breaks at work, before work, after work. Like, I just carried on the same work ethic. It was just yeah. with scripts, I'd reached a point where I was like, okay, it's been 20 years. Like, I've had one short in the cinema. Like, this isn't happening. Like, it's yeah. time to... And I didn't like the film industry at that point anyway. I was just like, mod Hollywood sucks. Like, <laughs> do I even want to be part of it now? Like, yeah. It's time for something else. But yeah, you've uh, you've transitioned perfectly as well. Like your name's in a, in all of those like fourth wave extreme horror circles. It's really <laughs> sort of it's cool to see you up there with like Judith Summit and Otis Bateman and and all those new sort of horror uh, extreme horror uh, writers oh, who are like sort of leading the way. Yeah, I don't quite think about that yet, but I'd like to be like I, I I'd like know. to be Looking part from of the outside. You are, you are definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Nice I, I see. I see your uh, I see your work recommended in all the same circles. So you know yeah definitely i i consider you one of the one of the new the new rising talents from the extreme <laughs> horror community uh, that's definitely the aim um yeah like i'll believe it myself once i kind of like feel it myself i guess but you just have to reach out to one of them and be like let's go write a book and then yeah. and then really feel it be like ryan yeah. harding let's do this <laughs> <laughs> exactly right yeah yeah i've written um i don't know have you done any collaboration stuff yet have you no, I don't. I, I can't even wrap my head around how it would happen, to be honest. No, I feel like... see, I, I've done it uh, with Enjoying Your Place in Hell with um, Otis Bateman and Stuart Bray. Yeah. But that was like writing a story each. Yeah. And then we've got another one coming out in Shore and Two, which is going to be Otis and um, Erica Summers. I don't know if you've read oh, nice, yeah. yeah. Vanity Kills is fantastic. Yeah. So I'm like, I can do it like that. But yeah, the idea of write, co-writing with someone, yeah. I can't wrap my head around that either. It, it feels like you'd have to lose a certain amount of your voice or you'd have to write it in a sense where you would, like you say, write individual like chapters from different perspectives of different characters. Mm. And then would that be too jarring coming out of one character going into another one? It's a, uh, yeah, I can't wrap my head around how people do it. I'm really impressed no. with people that can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think you'd have to be like, kind of like I've co-written a script before, but it's like, we're discussing it and then I'm writing it. So it's just yeah. in my voice, but it's a joint story. Yeah. Like where in, you can't really do that in a book. You both have to kind no. of put in the words. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't, I, I couldn't begin to, I mean, it, it's, it works in like an anthology and like you say, in an anthology collection where you've got like three mm. different stories, which even if the stories are tied, the stories themselves don't yeah, lean don't on each other. To. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just couldn't. I don't think I could work with someone else like that. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so terrible at the English language as well. Like I, I flout all the rules. I, I love starting a sentence with and or but, and oh, you know, I love the yeah. Oxford comma. And uh, <laughs> people would hate it if they had to work with me. And I'd be like, no, I'm not <laughs> taking out the ands. I know there are four thousand in this book, but I'm not taking them out. <laughs> yeah, there's something about starting a sentence with and. I love it too. I've done yeah. it like a few times this morning. I was just yeah. like, no, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> It has this like certain like um, immediacy to it. If you're mm. writing from a first person perspective as well, it, it makes me immediately think of like when you're having a conversation about something you're excited about or something you're scared about, and yeah. and and you always start the sentence with and and and, and you're adding to it and you're adding to it and it builds the story and it, it sort of adds to that intensity and I love that. I think that's great. Yeah, I find like from a third person standpoint, it, it's cheeky. Yeah. That's what I like about it. I can be quite <laughs> funny with it. I could just be like I'm tagging on something to yeah. 
like a sentence is already fully formed sort of thing. Like, I don't know. Mm. I like it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just agree that there are no rules. Yeah. No, the only rule, it's not even a rule, but the only thing I've massively had to pay attention to is using that. Like yeah. I use that way too much. And like once two different editors pointed it out and got rid of loads during the edit, yeah. now I kind of self-edit them. Like every single that, I'm like, right, can I use something else? Yeah. That's the only way it's like staying as if I can't use anything else. Yeah, I saw a tweet by um, Max Booth the third, um, mm. and he had this list of like extraneous words that you just don't need. And um, I wrote them all down and I would go through my manuscripts early on and just I'd find them all and see if they needed to be there and then like take them out. And it does clean it up a little bit. But at the same time, sometimes you do need those words in there still. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think part of it becomes your kind of voice and your style yeah. as well, doesn't it? Like, yeah. I had um, a reviewer not too long ago mentioned that I used the word fuck quite a lot in Not oh, for yeah. Children. <laughs> and I was like, do I really? And I kind of like looked it up in the manuscript, like keyworded it. And I was like, yeah, she's right. That is too much. And then in my next book, I was like, right, can I take a few of them out? And it's like, well, I could take a couple of them out, but I like using the word. Yeah, it's visceral. It, it counts. Yeah, it it, it kind of makes a point. point. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I like using it as a kind of descriptive word. Like it's yeah. fucking big. Like yeah. to me, that sounds bigger than enormous or massive or whatever. Yeah, and it fits as well with the, the type of stories you write, particularly in horror. Everything's just horrifying and gross and scary and weird. Um, that that's just a word that you would use to describe it. If I was talking to one of my friends about like a giant monster, I saw, I'd be like, I saw a fucking giant monster. <laughs> exactly, right? just sounds a lot bigger. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what I do. Um, so yeah, what was your um, so what was your first kind of novella or novel then that was just purely yours? How did that come about? Um, okay, so my first longer piece didn't start as a longer piece, I want to say. Well, mm. um, I, I decided I wanted to write a longer piece, um, and I submitted to an open call with DNT Press, uh, in was it 2022, end of 2022, and um, and I, I had written like the start of something um that i wanted to be like sort of a tongue-in-cheek slasher um mm -hmm. and so i pitched this idea of the slasher to to dnt and sent them the first 10k they liked it dawn said she she wanted to sign it based on the first 10k and so i signed the contract and then i had to write it and it did not go to plan at all <laughs> what started off as this uh this little slasher about interesting people in a support group for people with um medical and neuro neurological kind of disorders turned into some weirdly huge psychological horror aria that i ended up writing it took me over a year to write so that was life support and that was my first book that i um that i published it's probably one of my favorite things i've ever written um but yeah it just started off it was meant to be simple it was meant to be very mm -hmm. simple and i had that first 10k and the first 10k was locked in and it was a bit extreme and it was a bit funny and the characters were compelling and I just wanted to tell their story. Um, but then I, I started thinking one day about why I'd done some of the things I'd done in that first instance. Um, and then I came up with a tagline for the book, which was what if the cure hurts more than the disease, um, which sort of threw me into a bit of a spin. Cause I was like, there's a lot you can say if you're trying to say something about mental illness um, and depression, which was what the book, then became about um not necessarily these 
afflictions of these people in the group, but the uh, the sort of the, the mental side effects of, of living through modern day mental illness. Um, I've suffered myself, I've had depression for over 20 years, um, gets ugly sometimes, uh, but I wanted to write about that from my own standpoint, figuring that I had a, a sort of a leg to stand on, I had the right to tell that story. And, mm. um, and gradually these characters revealed the new story to me from within um and it got weird for a while and then it turned into a completely <laughs> different story and uh and then it came out being something that i'm really proud of so i'm not going to give too much away because obviously it's uh it's better to be surprised by that because <laughs> there's no yeah, way to describe right. it it defies genre but um i would say it's more of a it's just a psychological horror it's I funny because like I've read it and your description of that book, like your description of the writing process of that book is how the book reads. Yeah. <laughs> like I was literally like enjoying this kind of breakfasty club sort of thing to begin with, with some kind of mental illness stuff chucked in there. And it's, it's amusing is the wrong word, but you're kind of like, you know, you're getting to know these characters and they're yeah. a bit wacky and you're like, okay. And then like, someone opens a door and the whole fucking book just changes <laughs> and you're like wait what what's going on like that's yeah how's that possible and yeah it was it was a really then you weird start thinking in your head like what's what's going on here and yeah, yeah i it, wasn't close to guessing so it was a really really weird sensation as well because i remember it came about i was outside having a cigarette which is where i did most of my, my good thinking um and i was thinking about there's a scene very close to the beginning where two of the characters have sex and instead of writing the sex scene, I just put the word redacted in yeah. square brackets. And I remember thinking to myself, why have I done that? Um, and it was just because I didn't want to write the sex scene. I was just like, I'm, I just can't be bothered. Like, <laughs> what do I even say? I don't want it to turn into a porno. Um, but then that ended up having a reason that changed the end of the story. Why would I, yeah. why would this character not think about that while I'm in his head? And, uh, and then that, that sort of changed the direction of the story. Yeah. quite drastically and yeah it became like a complete like emotionally draining book to write in the end um and i put a lot of you know emotional <laughs> work into it and uh yeah i'm just really proud of, of where that ended up i still don't know if it fits in the horror genre i i couldn't possibly tell uh, you but i don't know i think so i think just because it's fucking howling like the way the redacted thing comes back at the end of the story is just that's to me that's horror yeah like that's I, I, it's it's you know, what horrifies it's really you, harsh that scene like like it just you know yeah. just the way he's saying redacted is just like fuck like yeah. this is not good <laughs> yeah it was uh and i i've people who've read the book as well they they hate me because what i did to build up the uh the central love story in the beginning of it to then tear it apart in the end and then have like a a brief moment of flashback for it just in the mm. in the epilogue where it all ends is uh people were very mad at me for that <laughs> <laughs> i liked it reminded me a bit of um have you ever seen requiem for a dream yeah. yeah it reminded me a bit of that with um uh ellen burson's character like being kind of happier when she's just fucking yeah. whacked yeah. out like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, it, it's an interesting thought process as well to think about how maybe sometimes people are happier when they're not. Oh, I, that, that stuff absolutely fascinates me. Like, yeah. I've always kind of like, well, if they're happier there, then, well, you know, who are yeah. we to judge sort of thing? Yeah, it's absolutely. a very tricky kind of 
rocky sort of um yeah. sort of thought process but i don't know there's something about that i think that is interesting yeah, I think you and captured it incredibly well in this book I, I think that some of the people who've read it as well have been people who've really enjoyed it as well have been people who've suffered with mental health problems themselves so they sort of recognize that certain element of escapism and uh mm. and sort of comfort that comes with maybe not being entirely present in your own life um and so yeah i, I think it reached its audience not, not a lot of people have read it i'm not popular by any means but um it, it's going to sit there as my my little my firstborn <laughs> and it's, it's you know something that i'm really proud of so i just i will hold that as my yardstick to everything i create subsequently just to make sure that i'm sort of staying on the right on the right lines yeah that first one's always the one where you're like yeah that's my favorite <laughs> yeah just how do you go from there like how do you build the next one um yeah. and that was the first one published but it wasn't the first one written essentially once i'd written those first 10ks and submitted it to dnt i actually wrote another book in between um oh, okay which is the book that comes out on Valentine's Day, which is my next book called Next of Kin. Um, right. And that one's another very weird story. Uh, the thought process behind that being, what if you took American Psycho and put it in a jar with Romeo and Juliet and then shook it so hard it broke? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, so that's the, the thought process behind that one. So uh, yeah, that's my next upcoming project. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to give that one a read after uh, life support. I think you sent it to me, actually, so I will... Uh... I will I get around think, yeah. to read that. Yeah, it's, it's about, do, about the same um, length. Right, cool. Yeah, I've still got to do the video review as well for Life Support, so that will be on the channel soon as well. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one to talk about. Like, I'm definitely going to have to make sure that spoiler warning's up, though. It's, yeah, because most of what I want to talk about is probably, yeah, more towards the spoily thing, which I won't yeah, say on this show, but I probably It's really difficult to talk about that book without spoiling anything. It's uh, It's very tricky. Like even how right did in the back you, um, yeah, how did you sell it? How did you go about kind of marketing this book? I didn't, in all honesty. I mean, obviously d and did a bit <laughs> as well, but like, yeah, yeah. did you try yeah. and kind of... I didn't know how to. ...phrase it without it? Or, yeah, I, I had to write the, the, the back copy um, and even writing that, you know, it's a couple of paragraphs just to describe the book, even writing that, I just thought, write something dumb, fill it with questions and call it a day because there was no way that I was going to be able to give... A brief synopsis of that book without spoiling that yeah. whole thing um, no, i mean it's essentially it's got two yeah i would say it's got two absolutely massive turning points in it which completely changed like my script writing head on but yeah, yeah. it's got like tp1 tp2 like yeah it's got two bits that completely changed the whole story and like yeah i'm glad i did not know him going in mm. Because reading them i was like what the fuck like and yeah. it made me just power through the book because i was like no like well, how has this happened? I don't get it. Like, is it yeah. in his head? Like, what's going on? Like, it's just, yeah. you're trying to work out different theories and stuff. And if you'd kind of hinted at it on the back, I think I would have connected it quite quickly. But Yeah. Can you imagine what would have happened, though, if that book had just been Bob's alter ego was the killer and that was it? Like, yeah. It would have been such a disappointing story compared to what it <laughs> turned out to be. Um I mean, the characters are fun and everything, but there, there needed to be more to it than what I originally put into it. And and it took, like I said, it's the longest thing that's ever taken me to write. It took me every year to write it. Um, and I had to keep taking massive breaks from it just to let it percolate and to let, mm. let Deadman and Trash have their, their moments to breathe. Um, but yeah. Were the breaks because of the kind of the sort of mental side of it? Because it's yeah. quite an emotional book? Or was it just like, no, this is fucking hard to write? 
no it was it was mainly the emotional stuff because the characters were writing themselves and they were doing stuff i I never envisioned that they were going to do they really took the lead on that which makes me sound psychotic i know but um <laughs> i just yeah i had to i had to let them tell their own story after i built such funny and and wonderfully three-dimensional characters <laughs> i just wanted them to to sort of have their their own time to shine but it took a lot of uh mental power to 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 get it on the page in a way that wasn't too um outside of the genre and didn't sort of you know give too much away but allow people to to see the the what was happening through the character's eyes and feel it with them yeah it was tricky yeah, <laughs> Wow, we've worked our way in the end. It's a fantastic book. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Hopefully more people will read it in the future. I'm hoping it just, you know, now it's sitting there. But like yeah. I say, marketing is is impossible. So DNT sent out to the street team. I sent out as many like little Twitter tweets and and then Facebook posts about it and stuff and just saw if anyone was anyone was biting, but it just it is what it is now. Yeah, I'll do what I can on the video review. Thank just, you. <laughs> yeah, there it. I'll, I'll make sure I kind of hold back on the uh, on the last review, but yeah, I might have to uh, talk about Mary a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, grab a couple of pencils and start drumming. Just be like, that. Mm. shit, was the pencil one? Oh, yeah, no, that see, that's why it qualifies as extreme horror. That yeah. made me almost put the book down. That was. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh the blender as well the fingers and teeth yeah. in a blender yeah that's the one that got a lot of people most people who oh, don't read extreme yeah. horror put it down down yeah. and on yeah, yeah. Mm, pink <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i enjoyed that bit actually that made me giggle that didn't make me i've read too much extreme horror now that uh, yeah. doesn't terrify me i'm more just like that is exactly what i'd have done with that character yeah like, how could you not <laughs> I wanted. I think the, the the most interesting thing about pica as as a disease is the idea that someone would eat anything, and yeah. the original idea of that particular bit was to have two characters accidentally kill someone, and then one character lock the one with pica in a room with them and say, "You're not coming <laughs> out until you finished." Like that was that was sort of where that that sort of came from. But I was like, um, no, this guy's rail thin and this woman is uh, like, a, a, you know, a normal sized human. If he eats the whole thing, he's going to be very <laughs> sick. Yeah, I work a lot of stories sort of similar to that, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really give anything away because nothing's been announced with it. But yeah, some slightly kind of within that realms, which, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to writing it because I think it's going to be a lot of fun describing those sort of scenes. But... Yeah, like being being really gross, but also really visually like, you know, yeah, taking it, taking on the challenge is, is, is fun, and that was a, that was a, a fun section of that book to write as well. Did you um have the ideas of their illnesses straight away, or did you kind of like look up hundreds and go right, what's the the most interesting ones? I had a few, um, like Cotard's disease, which is what Deadman suffers from. I I heard about before through um, I think it was a character on a television show I watched once, and I was always kind of fascinated with like how. A person could be moving around, talking, functional, but think they're dead. Uh, yeah. it, just, it just kind of made me like, oh, what's going on? So I sort of <laughs> did a bit of reading into that. And then um, Pika I read about with also like Porphyria, which is, I think, a human need to drink blood. <laughs> so it's kind of like almost vampiristic. Um, but I Pika just kind of interested me for that very reason of, of 
including cannibalism with it so i was like <laughs> yeah let's let's do that one and then the rest of them i just kind of i picked up a book called the hypochondriac's handbook and it, it had like a lot of stuff in there um that just it fascinated me there, there was a character there's a character in the book um who eats too many carrots um yeah. and i forgot about him as i was writing the story and then <laughs> oh, i thought to okay. myself how do i get him like mention him again he was kind of important for that one scene and then i just remember just thinking do you know what in real life these characters would just turn around and be like oh i forgot about him ah, never mind and that's how i just got rid of him from the book i'm just like yeah. i'm not gonna go back well, i and thought it was him. a bit of a red hair in that one <laughs> i was like oh it can't be carrot man because like i've seen enough of him but at yeah. the same time why is he there like <laughs> just because I forgot about him, I wrote him in, <laughs> and I took about three months off writing it, and then went back to it and forgot that he existed. So then, when I was reading back through, it, I was like, "Oh shit, the carrot man! I forgot mm. the carrot man." So yeah, I just thought <laughs> I'll, I'll just get rid of him by just throwing it away, and then just, just like, being like, "He's not part of our clique." Fuck him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, he turned out being not that important, but interesting in that one scene. So, but yeah, I had a, I had this whole book of like weird diseases and stuff alien hand syndrome and, and and all of these things i was just reading about them and just like oh my god imagine if they were all in the same room yeah and uh yeah uh, mary barbara's character was probably the most fascinating one because she was just a hypochondriac yeah, uh, that, that's, that's when you're looking for your book and you're like god i like 20 of these well this guy can have all of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was just like you know she doesn't even need to actually have had any of these things she just thinks she doesn't love to talk about it and I've, you know mm. i used to live with someone who was very much like that and it kind of uh, made me think okay yeah actually that would make a really really interesting foil to these characters where they're all actually suffering with things and she's like well i've got this and yeah. uh, so trying to one-up them yeah so you know and Which, yeah made, I mean, made her death it, sweeter <laughs> yeah i mean it but in its own self as well it kind of made you slightly more dead to her i thought like she could be incredibly annoying and she kind of is that's her purpose but yeah you're like she's just trying to fit in with these weirdos like yeah. it's and then when you come an back at the concept. end you meet her mother and then you come back at the end and you meet her um sort of in the back end of the book as well and you realize that actually what she's been through to make yeah. her into this person is yeah. is its own sort of emotionally damaging experience that she's obviously yeah. not reacted very well to so i wanted to be sensitive with it because obviously particularly that is a quite a common you know munchausen's and things like that it is, yeah. it's, it's quite a common mental illness and while I was taking the piss out of her in the beginning and, and making her like the butt of the joke and and using her to to twist the story around, in the end I was like, oh, you see, I can't be sensitive to all of these other mental illnesses and then just look at hers and say this is a, this is a joke, this is mm. you know the bad thing. So I did have to give her her due at the end and, and make her back into the sympathetic person she was supposed to be. Yeah, I think you definitely succeeded there. Like I said, I I, I felt sympathetic towards her. I just. She's just, to me, she was just someone trying to find a place. Like, yeah. And I, I think that's another thing that sort of invites horror readers, isn't it? We're all just, a lot of us are just outsiders trying to find our place in a little community somewhere. Yeah. And it was just, you know, that under a microscope. Yeah, no, it's done incredibly well. So I was, um, I guess like you've only really kind of written for small presses, have you, at this point? Like, what's that like? Like, I've only ever self-published. Like, how'd... How was your relationship with like D and T and that? Great. Um, my first thing with D and T was, like I said, I wrote a short story for the ABCs of Terror, Volume Four, um, and that was that was great. Um, I think Patrick Harrison III edited that book. Mm, such a good author. I know. I was really <laughs> like, I didn't realize that Dawn wasn't going to be 
doing the editing on on that one and then patrick came aboard and i was like fuck so i kind of uh, you know i was really sort of weary of the story and i wanted it to be gross and stuff and then he sent it back to me and it barely had any edits on it and i was like is that good is that bad does he hate (laughs) it does he love it but i I don't think i'll ever know but um from there i then submitted a i want to call it a novelette but it's not really it's like seven thousand words so it's still a short story but it's part of their emerge uh series for 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 new writers so i'd only i'd only published a couple of short stories is that that the ones that were all on godless yeah yeah so it was like an exclusive deal with godless uh Dawn set it all up, um, and the the new authors take home all the all the money from it. They they don't take any cut of it themselves. They just facilitate it, which I think is lovely. Yeah. And I wrote a story for that called "Fuck You, Mary Sue," which um, I like that story <laughs> to the extent that um, now that I I have the rights back to it, um, my contract's expired on it. You get twelve month contract for exclusivity right. with the Emerge series, and then. I think I might blow it up into something bigger and it does have a sequel and I think it's going to have a third part and it's going to, it's going to be sort of carried away, but all because of, of Dawn and, and how, uh, how kind she was to me and how much she took me under her wing and, and treated me so nicely. And I'm always going to be appreciative of that. And then obviously Lethe Press are taking on Next of Kin. Um, and I've been doing some internship work uh, for Lethe since I started working because me and Steve, I started off submitting a short story to one of his anthologies and he worked with me tirelessly to make it perfect. Um, so many rewrites, lots of time on Zoom. Like he really went above and beyond with with his editing for that just to show me how to make the best story I could do. And it, I taught, I learned so much. I went to him afterwards and said, do you want, can I help you do other publishing stuff? Teach me how to do other things. So I've been doing some bits and pieces with him. He's a friend and he's a really, really good guy, really supportive. and. I've had no bad experiences working with small presses. I think That's especially in the in the in the horror industry, they're all just everyone's so kind, everyone's so lovely, everyone's really professional. And if they're not, yeah. then they get destroyed on Twitter and <laughs> and bye. <laughs> like Yeah, but, um, I haven't had um, too many interactions with Dawn. I, I don't even know if we really properly spoke at any point, but she always just seems lovely to me. And yeah. everyone I kind of respect within the sort of genre and the community seems to have nothing but great things to say yeah. about her so it's oh she's an absolute sweetheart yeah yeah and, she always and, comes across that way and now she's she, you know she's she's managed to to lasso duncan rolston onto dmt as well so it just makes yeah. it all that more impressive like, <laughs> God, i've been published by the same people who published the guy who wrote womb like, yeah, exactly yeah yeah um but i have i have sort of sidetracked into doing some self-publishing as well which is how i uh how i managed to release my collection of short stories uh which is called let's get fucked up and die um <laughs> i i wanted to put a put my short story writing to bed because I, I, I don't enjoy it as much as i enjoy writing longer pieces and i think i want to focus more on writing uh, novellas and novels so i wanted to just sort of bookend that portion of my my learning uh, by releasing yeah. a, a a little collection so i put that together wrote a couple of extra little bits and pieces for it and then uh released that self-published that and that's that's out there it taught me about the the process of self-publishing you'll understand it's you know it's it's hard work i didn't realize how hard it would be Uh, i did a lot of stuff myself i did my cover design myself and my formatting myself um and i I sent it out i I hired an external editor to make sure it was all perfect and still it wasn't and so i've you know (laughs) had to to upload it several times and and, uh the thing about self-publishing is you kind of you look at it under a more of a microscope because it's just you responsible for it so you're yeah. like this this has to be perfect and you kind of start pulling your hair out over it 
but um yeah that taught me a lot and and i like self-publishing because i am the only one that suffers if it does badly and i i feel mm. less anxious about that <laughs> um so yeah and then i wrote another book called monomania which i reduced uh, i released last month um which is a an ode to 90 slashes um to 90 slashes that's a bit different right everyone else well, knows it's 70 80s like. yeah but i i grew up watching the 90 slashes so How i was very much just uh 38 yeah so i'm 40 yeah so we probably ran yeah. the same sort of stuff so, so like the, the scream you know the kevin yeah. williamson era the final was, destination in scream yeah, yeah yeah kevin williamson stuff yeah so I, I wanted to sort of pay tribute to the thing that sort of built me into this weirdo that I am today. So I, I wrote yeah. like, it was almost like a final girl battle royale book. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what Monomania is. There's a guy wearing a clown mask in there and, you know, there are archetypes of, of final girls from, from all the films back along from the nineties into the two thousands and, and maybe a bit further back as well. So um, that was just fun. And that was the first time writing in third person as well, which is hard. I didn't like it so much. No, God, I'm no. a third person. I love that idea of just being able to like, I don't really know what they call it. It's probably that ominescence or something where yeah. you can just fill in details about stuff that yeah. the reader probably shouldn't know. But you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go off on this side note for a second. Yeah, but trying to do that when you're writing a whodunit is difficult. Yeah. Like, I can't give too much away. So I, I was, I played it quite close. It was uh, third person close based on all the different characters they'd have their different chapters and right, uh and gradually cool. unveil this mystery of course i made the the rookie mistake of getting a bit kill happy so the possible suspects at the end of it were you know essentially the only people that it could have been anyway so everyone else was dead <laughs> so i was just like okay but yeah I, I just i wanted to pay sort of tribute to what got me into horror with that one and i thought you know it's a bit it's a bit risky people might not like it they might think it's too gimmicky they might think it's not emotional enough compared to the next of kin and compared to life support which you know it's not a particularly emotional book it's just a, a good fun hack and slash yeah. um but I, I owed it to myself to give myself a little mental break and write something that was fun i and, think and you I, need to I do liked. that i used yeah. to have a script writing if i was writing something heavy i would start another script on the side that was ridiculous yeah just because like otherwise it's it is emotionally like it takes its toll I yeah absolutely and i think the things that we pick to write about as well are innately things that scare us. Mm. So to put yourself through creating a character just to damage them, it's, yeah. it, you know, it's quite heavy on the psyche, isn't it? So yeah, writing that that book was a lot better. Everyone just turned out to just be a complete fucking mess, suffering with PTSD, <laughs> and then coming back to make a, a documentary about it. Um, nice. In this in this refurbished fraternity house where a massacre happened, and then one by one, you know. Uh, <laughs> The usual stuff. It was, it was very cliche, full of Easter eggs. Um, I did some epistolary stuff with it as well. I put some police reports in there and some interviews and mm. teleprompter stuff and things like that. Like it was, it was just a good bit of fun. And yeah, not everyone's it liked it. Really yeah, every, yeah, not everyone thought it was good. Not everyone um, liked it because of what they were expecting from me. They right. probably expected a lot more sort of depth and emotional range. And I'm like, I can't do it all the time. I'm just one man. Yeah. So yeah, but um, Plus you I, don't want to get pigeonholed, right? Like you yeah. don't want to just be making the same books all yeah. the time. That doesn't help you grow. Like no. doing something silly and throwaway is at least something different, right? Like you're yeah, still yeah. going to approach it from a kind of professional level of how can I make this the best it can be. Yeah. It's just not going to mean as much as yeah. 
you know something else and and the thing is as well when you're when you're a new writer and a smaller writer you can't help but read your reviews mm. i uh i I so. <laughs> yeah and I, I have this this um this reviewer who reads all my work and he is so thoughtful with his reviews he like holds a mirror up to myself and shows me what i've done <laughs> and yeah. i remember he, he wrote this review for my collection um and he found this common thread through all 13 of the stories that i'd never realized was there about <laughs> about something that i was i guess i must have been trying to process it myself and it was about like um adult loneliness and uh a reaction to a society that doesn't maybe love you and, and like writing these stories they all had this like common pull through all of them and he was the only person that wrote anything like that or looked deep enough to see that there was this common thread running through them and i was like that's another reason why I need to start expanding my repertoire because I don't want to be the guy who in their first year of their career is writing the same story over and over and over again. Yeah. So, so yeah, writing monomania was, was good fun, good experience. I'm not going to write another third person book for a while now because it was hard. <laughs> it's like trying to keep things short. I can't do it. I can't write travels. I'm terrible at it. I need words. I need lots of words and I need <laughs> all of them to be and so. Yeah, exactly. Right. The more <laughs> ands, the better. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to have to read that one. That sounds like the sort of thing I would really enjoy. It sounds like the sort of thing I'd love to watch. So. Yeah. See, it, it should it should be a movie, really. It's uh, it's another one of those ones where, like you say, it, it's cinematic in the brain. And I think, mm. you know, unless you're sort of our age and you grew up on the on the films that we grew up on that were coming out of the time of the theatre and, and getting to sort of get into those, that feeling of nostalgia with it, it might not resonate yeah. as much, but... but you know, that one's for our generation. Oh, there was a fuck ton of horror after Scream. Like Scream, yeah. I don't think people realise quite how much it rebooted things. Like, yeah. Uh, like I, mean, I was just... working at Blockbusters in, God, when would it have been? 2001. Hmm. And like, there must have been some fucking slasher coming out like every single week yeah. for about three or four years after that. Like, yeah, and most of them were terrible, but like a lot of them were all just, of them, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like it was, it got into like a really, really sort of zeitgeisty kind of thing where you were just like, oh my god, there are there are so many weird and wonderful little yeah. slashes. There's one for every holiday. My bloody Valentine yeah. reboot, and you got a, a Cherry Falls, and you got Valentine, and like all of those yeah. like weird little ones. Another reboot of uh, Urban Black, Legends, Black Christmas, oh, Urban Legends, and then its follow-ups, which were terrible. <laughs> the second one wasn't too yeah. bad, actually. The third one was, but yeah, that was it. Was such a such a golden time to be alive, considering we weren't there to see the original creation of the slasher genre. To yeah, them, to them be born well, in the research. Because the odd thing was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't essentially straight to DVD. A lot of them did hit the cinema. Mm. Like yeah. I watched Jason X at a midnight showing at like oh the cinema. God. Like no. it's, I love that movie. I would offend that movie to death. <laughs> it, it's, it was the the logical. I mean, that was after um, Freddy vs Jason, wasn't it? Jason X. Well, they must have been pretty damn close to each other. I'm not yeah, sure, they, actually. It, I think Jason was, X might have been first. Really? Because I was, I was just so going to say, like, close. yeah, that there was no logical other way to go after Freddy versus Jason than <laughs> making Jason invincible and in space. So yeah. uh, that that was, was perfect. But yeah, I think I saw Freddy versus Jason in the theatres. Yeah, that I was. Did as well, yeah. Oh my god, Kelly Rowland. But yeah, you had loads of <laughs> weird shit, didn't you? you? Had stuff. I can't remember if it was a slasher. Or you had that Keanu one, The Watcher. That was fucking oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, they just came out constantly. You said Cherry Falls, that one with Brittany Murphy. Like, oh, was... I loved that film. 
Yeah, it was, it was just, so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> There's just too many of them. It was literally, yeah. But like working at, like I said, the blockbusters at the time, like they were renting constantly. Like they mm. were constant top 10, no matter the quality. Like yeah. it was just a genre that at the time, you know, everyone was just watching. Yeah, and it, it, it just ended up creating a bunch of uh, indie horror authors uh, that are yeah. about four years old now. <laughs> so exactly. It right, gave yeah. birth to us all. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm always thankful for that because, you know, we, things could be a lot worse. We could be writing romance or, <laughs> like, poetry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my romance normally lasts about a chapter and then something goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's all imaginary. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, what are you, um, what are you working on next then? What's, uh, what's next up for you? Okay, I've got a very vigorous plan for this next year <laughs> so right. i've got i've got next of kin coming out on the 14th of february as a little uh haha because it's not really a valentine's day book <laughs> but it's uh it's very romantic at the same time um after that i am working on a book for slashic horror press which are a new queer press um run by david jack fletcher and leroy cross james um they've had a great year this last year publishing well, some really, sorry, really cool what are they called? Slashic horror. I don't know them. They uh, they've been producing work from like Kisto Healy and Cat for Law oh, okay. and some of the some of the like cool like. Did they do that Cat for Law one that looks mental? Like that one that just looks like a crazy book. No, that was um. Oh my god, I can't remember what they're called. But that that was Revenge Art, couldn't it? Yeah, that looks. I spoke. Amazing I spoke to her about that one. I need to and, watch. I need to read that. Sometime. Yeah, I've heard such good things about that. But her yeah. new one comes out with Slashic Horror, I think, in the next month or so, or has already just yeah. come out. Um, but yeah, I'm also releasing my book with them in August, the same month as Cat releases another one. So uh, yeah. we're going to be like yeah. buddies for, for yeah. releasing that um i also like i said my my short story fuck you mary so i want to blow that one up into a slightly longer longer piece and that's going to be another one of my fun slashes um i've got the sequel to it already written that needs to be edited around whatever the first one extends into and then i want to write the third to it and i also want to write a sort of a piece of transgressive fiction for for lethe it's not necessarily horror but kind of a bit metaphysical and a bit you know not fantasy i don't want to write fantasy but like sort of you know kind of that weird gap in chuck palnick's career yeah. where he wrote lullaby you know kind of like that i just want to take a break from from writing like a horror or a slasher and write something that's a little bit more geared at just weird shit so that's i mean that sounds like a lot of work is that a lot more than what you've done in 2023 yes. oh god yes i'm gonna to have to be really disciplined to do it and i don't know if it's gonna happen or not but, so what's, um, what's the thinking behind trying to do a lot more? Is it just like you really, really need to go for this or is it just too many ideas in your head and you need to yeah. get out? It's too many ideas. It's it's building on the momentum that I'm making with my career um, at the moment, trying to get my name out there more, get more work out there so people can find me in different places, um, but also pushing myself towards becoming more disciplined. Um, like you say, you, you you write every day. You're You're quite disciplined with it. I might write once every three weeks. Um, right. I'm not disciplined at all. The the inspiration has to strike me. And then when sometimes when it does, I'll sit down and I'll write 10,000 words in a day. But other times I won't write anything for like three or four weeks at a time. So um, I'm trying to bring myself into more of a disciplined place and, and to really incorporate my writing into my life more. So it's, it becomes more of a part of who I am. 
Yeah. I think that's what you got to do. I think you've got to build it into your, to your lifestyle almost. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like you say, like doing it on your, on your lunch breaks and stuff like that. Like I've started, yeah. I've started trying to do that. Or if I'm not doing that, then I'm going to read on my lunch breaks and make sure that I'm at least doing something that's going to help me. I Produce the next bit. Funny one when I was script writing, I done um, I done a, I wrote a Christmas horror, oh. and I was working at um Card Factory at the time, yeah. and which by the way, Card Factory at Christmas, I don't recommend it to anyone. No, but no. like, I was kind of an in between customers. I was like thinking about stuff, so I was writing like notes on the back of like spare envelopes, and oh, I ended up <laughs> with like two hundred envelopes worth of notes that I had to like sort through. <laughs> Or I started writing the script. Like I thought you were going to say I accidentally gave them to the customer, and they came back like, "Why oh, is there so much horror?" Amazing. My... <laughs> yeah, like just a list of horror film conventions yeah. just on the back of an envelope. Oh, yeah. just a list of like ways to die. Like, why have you written yeah, this exactly. on my envelope? What are you going to do? To me? <laughs> but yeah, I think if you're going to, yeah, I mean, if you're looking to write as much as what you've said, then yeah, you're kind of putting yourself in a position where you've got to be more disciplined, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to force it. I'm not. I'm one of those like very nihilistic millennial people where everything's always shit all the time. So I'm trying to like bring myself into a more productive phase of my life and make sure that the work that I've done up until now, um, that I'm proud of continues on um, still to the same standard. I'm not going to rush anything. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but that's the good thing about self-publishing. I'm on my own schedule. Exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah. And, and I think that's another reason why I wanted to get into self-publishing as well, to be more accountable to my own work. Um, so yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna see how it goes. If I have to drop a couple of these projects, then I, I will. I, I'm obviously not the ones that I'm already signed into because those are yeah necessary. Uh, I wanted <laughs> I want to do well by these people. Like David Jack and, and Leroy have been really really sweet. They they've given me a contract for for my book with Slashic Horror without actually me having written anything for it so, so you I'm, can't on, do that one. <laughs> I'm on a deadline and i've got a perfect idea for it but it's just like it's again it's another one of those um slightly emotionally draining ones that i'm, I'm going to put a lot of heart into but also make really super gross um <laughs> that one's more like an ode to uh 90s erotic dramas the slithers right. and the uh you know basic instinct and and uh yeah. Stuff like that, like that's going to be. Did you ever like watch um, Body Heat? Did you ever see oh, that one? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever watch Boxing Helena? Well, I think I did. That was an English one, wasn't it? I think it was Julian Sands, wasn't it? He was yeah. playing an English surgeon, but yeah, Something yeah, like that, yeah. He was in love with this woman, and then she was in a car accident, so he chopped her arms and legs off and kept her in a box. And I was just <laughs> like, "Oh my god, I love this so much! It's so <laughs> stupid." So yeah, I just want to do like a like a little tribute to those kind of movies with, with nice. this one. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was lucky, like I learned nice and early, like on the discipline side of things, like a lot of script writing, a lot of the good books out there were all like just fucking write it, right? Just like yeah. the vomit draft, they would call it. They were like yeah. just writing is rewriting, you can fix it in the edit. And luckily that mentality always stuck with me. So I'm like, even if I'm just don't feel like writing. Yeah. I'll just write and I'll be like, well, even if I get the basics of the story down, yeah. I can fix it afterwards. Where Do you plan a lot or do you oh, tend to absolutely. pants it? Yeah. No, I can't pants. I can't pants <laughs> at all. I don't know how people do that. I do it a little bit with the rot. Like with the rot, I'll have, because I'm writing the second one at the moment, yeah. and I'll have an idea of what I want the story to be and then I'll see where it goes. Yeah, And I do enjoy it, but they're only like, three and a half four thousand word stories mm. 
but the idea of pants in a novel like no i would yeah. i would lose i wouldn't sleep i would lose my shit trying that like yeah I have you, to end, up, you end up with really really chapter. weird books like life support if you pants <laughs> a novel uh <laughs> yeah i mean it works for people it's just like i've always like as a script writer i had about 400 pages worth of notes before i even wrote the first draft yeah. and i've got a lot better like now i'll have like 30 40 pages of notes before i start a book but I need to know what each chapter is going to be and yeah. it, like, but I'm not, um, I'm not strict with it. Like if the story yeah. starts going in a slightly different direction, I'll be like, Oh, okay. Why am I doing that? Like, yeah. Let's look into that and see if that's, I won't yeah. be like, no, fuck that. I can't go that way. Mm. Like, and I, I think, I think planning as well really does help with discipline because at least then when you sit down to do writing, you know where you're going, you know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. And you think I can fit this, you know, this isn't going to be a long chapter or I can fit this down in one sitting. I can, exactly. I can do a draft of this yeah. and that. And, and that has, you know, that's sort of definitely changed the way I, I write well, as it's well. It's like, um, like, um, not starting on a chapter as well, like finishing halfway through a chapter. So you can just jump straight back into it. Yeah, like there's yeah. loads of silly little things that just kind of do actually work. Like, oh God, I don't think I could do that. I'd be like, no, I need no, to finish. No, I, I hate it. Yeah, no, I hate <laughs> it as well. But I know that some people do that because yeah. then they can't leave it. Right. So they wake up the next yeah. day and they're like, no, I've got to finish this chapter. Yeah. And then I wouldn't start be able to on sleep. the next. <laughs> I'd be like, no, I, I can't. I just need to. Yeah, I, I'd have to finish on a chapter. But I think that's another. Like you say, it's it's a reason for me to walk away from it for a few days and not come back to it, which is uh, the threat to discipline. So yeah. maybe I'll try this. Maybe I'll start writing <laughs> half chapters and then see. What I happens. think the fact that you've just got a lot of core ideas and you know you want to get more done. I think, yeah, I think that's enough to kind of force yourself to get a bit more. And then, yeah, like I said, it's just trying to build it into your lifestyle, really. Just be like, yeah. right, I'm going to write for two hours between this hour and this hour. Yeah. And, you know, and then I can get on with the rest of my day. It just yeah. adds up. I only work part time as well. It's just like, you know, I shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't be this lazy, but I haven't like announced all of these projects on, on this podcast and, and, and video cast now. <laughs> exactly. So hold you accountable. everyone's going to have to hold me accountable to this. If <laughs> I don't start producing work and popping it out sort of mid year, be like, where's all of these stories that you promised yeah. us? So, yeah. Where's my fucking trilogy of slashes? Like, come on. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. I can't wait. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Thank you very much for coming along for this interview. It's been fantastic getting to chat to you and yeah, thank you learning a bit about your work. And yeah, it sounds like I've got a few things to catch up with on yours. They all sound really good. <laughs> I want to read them now. Oh, don't rush it because, you know, I might not end up fulfilling any of my contracts and then being <laughs> like, nothing coming out for three years. So yeah, don't rush it. Uh, don't feel the rush. But I'll thank you so much for interview to all of them. I'll be like, look, he said he's going to do it. It's, it's been recorded. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for, for letting me ramble and talk about like movies and stuff as well. That was cool. I love yeah, no, talking no. about movies. Well, I talk about movies all day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just before you go quickly, let everyone know when your next book's out then and how hey, they can get it. Okay, Next of Kin is out on the 14th of February um, through Lethe Press. And you can pre-order the paperback on the Lethe Press website. Um, and I think, I don't think it's available for pre-order on Kindle yet, but it is there is a page for it on Amazon. Um, I've also got some review copies if anyone's desperate to read it mm -hmm. um, ahead of time. So you can find me on um, X at Elton Skelter, um, on TikTok at Elton Skelter. Facebook, look for Elton Skelter. Um, yeah, just find me, find me, and write to me. I, I don't mind. Awesome. Excellent. I mean, that's a good place to leave it there. So, yeah. yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. To you. <laughs> Cheers.
Take care. See you later. Bye. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye.